Hello and welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, this is a podcast that focuses on exploring simple, authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts and today my amazing wife and co-host Shereya is taking the week off, so it's just me. We've been discussing prayer for the last few weeks now and this episode is all about making sure that we have the right perspective of God when we pray. Let me explain. Have you ever met those people who just have this ridiculously outrageous level of faith? I, I once knew a man called Michael Ross Watson and uh, sadly for us, he's no longer with us, but he is with Jesus now. He was an amazing man of God. Uh, there was once a time he told me where he sensed God was speaking to him uh, about going to a, 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 a country in, in the Middle East. He was in Singapore at the time, I believe. And he felt God say to him, you need to just get up and go. But he had no money. So by faith, he went to the airport or the, the train station. I forget which one it was now. And as he lined up, he had no money. And he was saying, Lord, please provide. <laughs> Lord, please provide. And the line got shorter and no money was coming. No provision was coming. And just before he gets to uh, the booth, the guy in front of him gets really mad. He starts getting angry and grumpy about the fact about something that was going on and turns around, shoves a ticket into Michael's hand to exactly where Michael was going and said, well, it looks like I don't need this anymore and gives it to Michael. And Michael had this free ticket into this uh, Middle Eastern country somewhere. And, and I think the end of that story is that he ended up uh, speaking to one of the higher powers in the land, one of the most important people in the country and becoming friends with them. And uh, it ended up being a hugely powerful faith moment for him and for the people that he met. It's an incredible story. Uh, I've heard uh, other stories of, of healing, phenomenal stories of healing, or you know, think about some of those uh, biblical accounts we talked about in the last episode, like Joshua praying for the sun to stand still, and it actually standing still. Like Those things are crazy. And I don't know about you, but when I hear these incredible accounts of faithfulness, I tend to flip between one of two reactions. I'm either totally inspired and want to go out and pray for mountains to move, or I feel hugely inadequate. And that feeling of inadequacy causes me to either pray safe, small prayers or uh, really bold prayers that I have no real expectation of God answering. I wonder if you've ever been in that place. Maybe there's times where you truly believe that you can move mountains with your faith. Or maybe there are issues in your life or the lives of those close to you that are really putting your faith to the test. You know, maybe it's a, a stressful job situation. Maybe your marriage is falling apart or your relationship is falling apart. Maybe your finances are in a mess. Maybe you're struggling with the realities of these pandemic struggles or some issues with your friends. Or maybe you're, you have friends or brothers or sisters or mums or dads who after years of praying for them still don't seem interested in connecting with God in any way. Maybe like me, there are times when you're looking at the great heroes of the faith and it's not so much an encouragement or an inspiration as it is a, a flashlight, a torch shining on your spiritual insecurities. Today's question is a simple, but it's a really important one. Do we have the kind of radical faith that God will answer prayers? Not just the little ones, but the outrageously big ones too. That's a really important question, right? Fortunately for us, the Bible has a lot to say on the subject of radical faith. And in today's episode, we're going to really focus in on Acts chapter 12. 
So if, if you have your Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 12. But if you're driving or cycling, maybe don't. I wouldn't recommend that. So if you could just listen to me read it, that would be really good. <laughs> or pause until you get a chance to have a Bible, right? So for the rest of this episode, I want to propose and unpack something that might be simple in theory, but it's absolutely transformational in practice. Is this, that radical faith continually recognizes the power of God and the importance of prayer. Radical faith continually recognizes the power of God and the importance of prayer. So we're going to read uh, 17 verses of Acts chapter 12 now, and we'll see what the Bible has to say about radical faith from this passage. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed. And he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice and because of her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true and they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. Okay, so there are a lot of verses here. So let's quickly get our heads around what just happened. In uh, verses one to two, James is martyred. And that's a big deal. and. Sometimes I think we forget these massive, somber moments. James, one of the disciples, was murdered. That's, that's huge. That would have been devastating to the early church. And then uh, what's even worse is that Peter is then arrested. And the question is, why was James martyred and not Peter? Why was Peter allowed to live and arrested? Well, that's a tension that we'll revisit. So Herod's approval soars, and then he imprisons Peter as well, who's this high security threat. And, and verse five is really pivotal. It says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. That's a big deal. We'll get to that later as well. In verses 6 to 11, uh, Peter is delivered. Interestingly, Peter is sleeping. And uh, scholars say that it's almost certain that Peter was planned, it was planned that Peter would be executed the next day. And yet Peter is asleep. It's, it's a really weird thing that uh, he was bound with two chains and ready to be brought out for trial and probably execution. And yet he's sleeping between the soldiers and pretty relaxed. Why would that be? Well, we'll talk about that in a bit as well. 
And then an angel appears, chains literally fall off. He walks past the guards, uh, gates miraculously open. That is a huge deal. There is a lot going on here. And Peter realizes that God is truly at work. And then in verses 12 to 18, we see that the church that were so earnestly praying for Peter to be released couldn't believe it when he was actually uh, released. So Peter visits the house of the people praying, which is probably around 50 people, we think. And Rhoda forgets that he's at the door and the prayers don't even believe that he's there. They, they, their first resort was to go to prayer for him. And yet they couldn't believe it when he actually was uh, released. It's an amazing account of God at work. And I wonder, does it fill you with faith or does it make you feel spiritually intimidated? I believe that this passage is showing us how to live faith-filled, expectant lives that are dependent on the power of God. I believe that this passage is teaching us that radical faith continually recognizes the power of God and the importance of prayer. And after the break, we'll dig into why I believe it's teaching us that. So firstly, what does Acts 12 have to teach us about the power of God? Well, Peter was bound with two chains. That's a precarious uh, position to be in. He was in a prison cell surrounded by four squads of four guards. So so 16 guards. But uh, in that situation, which seems uh, humanly impossible to escape from, God sends an angel. The room fills with light. They're spiritually blinded, the guards. The chains fall off on their own. The gate swings open on its own and the guards miss everything. That is power. God has total control over the physical world. Whether it's people or inanimate objects, God controls it all. He has power over all. That is power. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And that power isn't just at work within us, it's at work in the world at every moment of every day. Did you know that whatever you can imagine is not close to God's capabilities. Whatever you can imagine, God can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power. That is power. Peter understood this power. That's why he was able to sleep before his execution. He just lost James and he was still able to sleep. Why? Because in John 21, 18, Jesus says to Peter, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Verse 19 is key. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You see, Peter knew when he was going to die and this wasn't the moment. God had the power to tell Peter when he would die. He'd also been rescued from prison before. So he had every reason to have faith. You know, when we understand God's absolute power, it brings us comfort knowing that God is in control. He's the ruler of all things. And this is known as God's sovereignty. If you've been following our podcast for a while now, you'll know that we talked about God's sovereignty a few weeks ago in our Churchy Words for Normal People series. So that's how we know about the power of God through Acts 12. But what about the importance of prayer? I think firstly, we have to understand the gravity of this situation. So one of the 12 disciples had been martyred, he'd been murdered, and another one had been arrested, ready to be murdered, ready to be executed. 
So that's two out of the 12 disciples in one hit. That is a huge situation. You know, that's uh, two of the 12 of the core leadership of the church out of action. That's a big deal. And, and verse five, like we talked about earlier, is absolutely crucial. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. As a result of prayers, God supernaturally, miraculously freed Peter from a seemingly impossible situation. Uh, a Puritan author called Thomas Watson says, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. You see something miraculous, something unbelievable happened precisely because the people prayed. Imagine if you and I, if our churches were the kind of people and places where uh, people said there were huge issues in our towns. There was a huge trauma. There was financial need. There were church needs in our cities, in our uh, towns, in our communities. But the church was praying earnestly to God for it. But so-and-so was praying earnestly to God for it. But I was praying earnestly to God for it and God moved. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be part of a community like that. I want to have friends that are like that. When we pray, God listens. James 4.2 tells us that we do not have because we do not ask. He implies that when we pray, God responds equally. Jesus says in Luke 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be open. When we ask, God responds. And the awesome thing about that is that is how we connect to the power of God. Prayer is how we connect to the power of God. We've talked about Tim Keller's book on prayer before, uh, but I want to read another quote from him because it's just so good. It says this, when you flick the light switch, the bulbs illuminate. Does the light switch provide the power for the bulbs? No, that comes from the electricity. The switch has no power in itself, but rather it connects the bulbs to the power. Prayers that are in accord with a gracious God can connect us to him. So here's the thing. Prayer in itself is not powerful. Now, I want you to hear me carefully on that. Prayer in itself is not powerful. Prayer is powerful because it connects us with our all-powerful, totally good, totally loving Father God. That's why prayer is powerful. Remember, radical faith recognizes continually the power of God and the importance of prayer. But here's the key part. We have to understand and continually recognize both God's power and the importance of prayer together. It's, it's easy to neglect one or both of these elements, and it leads us to a view of God that isn't accurate. So I would love to share a graph with you. Now, that's going to be really difficult to do on uh, a podcast, but you can head to simplefaithpodcast.com to see the show notes, and you can see this graph um, as it's supposed to be. But I'm going to describe it to you because I think it is important. On the left axis, imagine that you've got a low view of prayer moving upwards, vertically upwards towards a high view of prayer. And on the bottom axis, you have a low view of the power of God moving to a high view of the power of God. And there are four squares. So the bottom left-hand square is when you have a low view of the importance of prayer and a low view of the power of God. When we have a low view of both of those things, both the importance of prayer and the power of God, we, we treat God like he's weak and disinterested. And we live like we don't need him. You know, atheists have a low view of the power of God and a low view of the importance of prayer, of course. Herod lived this way. And if you were to read the end of Acts 12, you'd see that this didn't end super well for him. You know, if we see God as all powerful, but we see prayer is not worth it, well, we can see God as 
powerful but far away. We can even start to question his love for us. We see him as this distant dictator. Well, how can he love us if he doesn't want to communicate or listen to us? Why pray? Because God doesn't care about what we think anyway. When we have this view of God as a distant dictator, where we see him as all powerful, but we see prayer as less powerful than it really is, then we begin to do things out of obligation rather than out of love. And that's missing the point as well. However, if we have a high view of prayer, but a low view of God's power, we start to treat God like this spiritual counselor. I like to think of of it as a spiritual sounding board, a silent sounding board. There's two outcomes. And this is where we can pray either too small or too big, not believing that God will answer either prayer. You know, we pray those small things just because we don't think that God's going to come through, or we pray really big prayers, not really ever expecting that God will answer it. It quickly becomes about getting things off of our chest, you know, like lying on one of those counseling chairs, talking to someone, but not expecting them to say anything or give you any advice. You know, a high view of prayer is really great, but the question is, do we really believe that God will answer? Now, when we doubt God's power, we will inevitably doubt that he can answer prayer. And I think this is a little bit like the church in Jerusalem. You see, uh, Rhoda was shocked when she saw uh, Peter. And yet, and when she told the rest of the church, they didn't believe it. Their, their first reaction was to pray, which is amazing. That's a fantastic reaction. They had a high view of prayer, but they were surprised when Peter was freed from prison and they didn't believe it when they saw him. How often do we pray big prayers, but secretly or subconsciously don't believe that God will answer? I think it happens a lot. Right now, Sharia and I are working on building a church and we're helping to build a church in Red Deer, Alberta. Well, we're praying big things for this church. Do we really believe that God will answer those prayers? I think we should. Jesus told us that we can move mountains in his name. So do we believe that? Do we have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? It's a challenge. But if we have a high view of the importance of prayer and the power of God in tandem, it enables us to get a greater sense of who God truly is. We see him as loving enough to communicate with us, to listen to our prayers and to move out of love as a result. But we also know that he has power and control over all things, that he is sovereign he is our almighty, loving Father. In this place, we can pray big prayers because we know that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine. And so we can live lives expectant of supernatural miracles and provision. That's how I want to live. I wonder if you do too. I hope you do. We can see God's sovereignty and we can recognize his grace and love. And so we can pray according to God's will. We talked about this last week when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray, your will be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays, not as I will, but as you will. Now this is Jesus, who's God himself. And notice that his prayer wasn't answered. But you know what? That's okay, because Jesus recognized God's power. Which brings us back to that tension that we talked about earlier about James and Peter. Why was James martyred and Peter set free? Well, when we understand God's power, when we recognize his sovereignty, when we recognize that Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes, it means that we can rest in the knowledge that whatever the outcome is for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. It's not always easy but we know it's the right thing in God's good purposes. So perhaps more than likely, James was taken back to be with his heavenly father because it was simply the right time, even though that's hard for us to understand as humans. But what does that mean for us? Well, firstly, I want you to know that whatever is going on around you, God is so much bigger than your situation. He's sovereign. 
Like Peter, you might feel like you're facing this seemingly impossible situation. You might feel like, yeah, your, your family are, are not, they don't know Jesus and they might never come to know Jesus. You might feel like your job situation is impossible right now with the, the economy the way it is. You might feel like it's so hard to be away from your loved ones because of the, the COVID protocols that are in place, but God is sovereign. He's in control. There might be way bigger situations that, you, that are causing you to struggle, but remember that God is in control. And because of that, and because of his love for us, we know that prayer changes things. So our prayers might even go unanswered, but we know that when God doesn't answer our prayers, it's not because he's out to get us. It's not because he's ignoring us. It's because it's for the good of those who love him. We, we talked a bit about that last week and it's challenging, but it's also comforting. Finally, if you're listening to this podcast and you uh, wouldn't call yourself a believer. You wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian. Know that God wants to connect with you. He wants to connect with you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, to take your sin on his shoulders, to live uh, a life that we couldn't live, to pay a debt that we couldn't pay so that we could be restored in relationship with our heavenly father. And you can accept Jesus today, which is good news. It's really good news. You get to, to know Jesus today and be in that relationship. If you want to talk about what that looks like, you can get in contact with uh, me or Sharia either personally or through simplefaithpodcast.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Simple Faith Podcast. We would love to talk to you. It would be our absolute privilege. You know, we come to that place of biblical, radical faith when we're able to continually live with the power of God and the importance of prayer at the forefront of our minds. It's in that place where we can pray big prayers, not just for us, but for our churches, uh, knowing that it's the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that rescued Peter and that is walking with us. That's huge. So friends, let's be a people of prayer. Wayne Grudem says this, if we were really convinced that prayer changes the way God acts and that God does bring about remarkable changes in the world in response to prayer, as scripture repeatedly teaches that he does, then we would pray much more than we do. If we pray little, it is probably because we do not really believe that prayer accomplishes much at all. Imagine what the world would look like if believers continually lived in radical faith, recognizing the power of God and the importance of prayer in tandem. I think in that place, we'd see God as the almighty loving father that he truly is. And I think we'd regularly see the kinds of things that can only be explained by God's supernatural intervention. I want to live in that world. I hope you do too. So that's it for today's episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. Next week is a really exciting episode. We're going to spend a whole episode just looking at how God has answered prayers. I can't wait for that. So have an amazing week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye.